0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Understeer podcast. I'm delighted today to be able to welcome James Paul. How are we today James?
1: Hi, I'm um, I'm doing alright. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, thanks. But um for anyone who doesn't know who you are James, uh, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Uh yeah, so uh, my name's James Paul. Um I'm an English Malaysian racing driver. Uh, I'm racing with R Motorsport in the GT World Challenge um, in the Aston Martin GT3. Um, I won my class at Spa 24 Hours last year. And, um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully getting back to racing soon.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, everyone... Do you have a date for when you are meant to be racing or... Uh...
1: Um, well, so I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard the news about Armored Sport, but they've, um, pulled out from the 2020, the 2020 season, um, due to a lot of complications with, um, not being able to have spectators and, um, just not really, it just doesn't really work out from business aspects for the, for the company. Mm -hmm. Um, so probably not. I I don't really have a, a date. Um, I'd like to maybe do some one-off races this year. Like I'd really be upset if I missed out on the Spa 24 hours. Yeah. Um, but I I at the at the moment I don't really have a a date of when we're going to be back. Probably next year,
0: 2021. Awesome. So um, let's talk about your karting career. So obviously, had a very successful karting career over in, I think was it in Asia uh, where you were karting. Yeah. Um, what sort of point when you were karting did you think, you know, I can take this seriously as a career, um, you know, that this could be sort of something I could be, uh, earning money from? Um,
1: yeah, so I I was about 12 years old actually. Um, so I was living in Asia and my family live in, in Singapore and, uh, I was flying for months at a time to Italy and, uh, around Europe, but mainly Italy, um for karting for world championship karting european karting um and it got to the point where i was missing a lot of school because of it because uh obviously flying from from asia to italy is a long flight it's like yes. a 13 hour flight um and it would and it's very expensive so i ended up staying in europe for a long time um in like really long periods mm-hmm. and uh, it got to the point where i just sort of Decided, I I went up to my parents and I said, Guys, I really want to take this seriously. Um, You know, it's my dream. I really want to make this into a career. Um, But I'm going to have to move to Europe for sure to be able to chase that dream. Yeah. Um, And at first, they were a bit skeptical because I was only 12, 13 years old. Um, But uh, thankfully, they were really supportive of me. Um, So I ended up moving to England when I was 13. And that was sort of really the catalyst for everything for this whole career, um, trying to move up the
0: ladder of of motorsport. And how important do you think your experiences were in karting uh, to make you the racer you are at the moment?
1: Um, Of course, they were very important. Like every other racing driver says, you know, karting is the grassroots for for every kind of motorsport. So, um, well four-wheeled motorsport uh, so i'm definitely really grateful for what i did in in karting uh, it got to a point though where there's a lot of politics in in karting with um a lot of different things so it sort of got to the point as well where um i just sort of used it as a learning experience to move on into cars um, and what i also learned from uh moving to cars quite early at 15 um, a lot of racing teams don't know about about karting. Um, like they don't really know so much about who's winning what. Mm. Uh, but it's extremely, extremely important for everyone to, um, or for, at least it was for me and for many of the people that I know. That it it re- it gets you in the racing environment. It teaches you um, what the paddock is like. It teaches you what having to go to the stewards is like, or like you know having to go to drivers briefings and. Um, it sets you up. Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 the exact like ideal way to get ready for an environment which is really intense, like a a, a car racing paddock. Um, so I'm definitely fortunate to be able to have done all that stuff.
0: And finally, on karting or the beginning of your racing career, was there a particular moment that sort of inspired you to get into karting, or was it just something you just tried as a one-off and then loved it?
1: Um, it was a bit of both because as a kid, I was into football and lots of other sports like rugby and cricket and uh, tennis and stuff like that. But I was honestly so tragically bad at all of it. And um, my, my mum tells me always tells her friends a story of her, of my tennis and football coach going up to her and telling her to stop wasting money on getting coaching for me for all these sports oh. because I'm so useless. Um, and my dad, my dad was always into racing. He was always a motorsport guy. So, um, in my depressive state after realizing I'm terrible at all sports, that um, he took me to the uh, to the kart track, and then yeah, at at first I was very skeptical and I was really scared, but um, yeah, I got in, and then straight away just fell in love.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, obviously you were very early into single racing cars. How much? Of a step up, would you say it is from karting to sort of single as MSA Formula Championship cars you were in?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it was called MSA Formula. Now it's British F4. Um, but it, it it feels as if you're learning a different sport completely. Um, like I said, you can't really use much of the karting like uh, skill that you have um, once you go to cars, and that's why you see a lot of karts or yeah, so sorry, Carters that they they could either be really really good in carts and then go to cars and be really bad, or they might yeah. be really bad in carts but they go to cars and they're really good.
0: Um, I sometimes be different. Sorry, I sometimes see oh. people who are uh, like who just suddenly come from nowhere. Like I think it was Dragovic who won F two was it last weekend. He yeah. he didn't have a great yeah, F three yeah. season, but then he's winning in F two.
1: Yeah, there's there's many many drivers that that have been like that. Um, and there's also drivers that have been really good in karting that have gone to cars and not been so good. Okay. Um, but it, you know, like, like I said, you learn from karting. The most you learn is just the environment of the paddock, um, the environment of like racing and competing, um, as well as like simple things like uh, racing lines and how to race and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, when you when you actually move to cars to be to be fast in a car, it's a completely different. Um, skill set so it's quite it's quite a massive jump um but you at least feel comfortable in the, in the environment because you know what to expect from a racing environment
0: and are the feelings of a race car like obviously uh, they talk a lot about the pressure in your neck uh in formula one yeah are, are they completely different from karting to formula four as it is now you mean like
1: like phys- like physical yeah physically physical kind of yeah. yeah physically yeah. um it's I'd say it's similar, but I wouldn't say it's 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 the exact same. Um, like when I go karting now, my neck is still really sore um, when, after after a long day of karting. Um, but it's just a different kind of uh, physical draining. Um, like in a car, it feels like you're being beaten up. Um, yeah, like you have a really hard seat and lots of bumps, and um, it feels like you're getting beaten up for a while. But then in a in a racing car, um, it's more of like a, a draining. Uh, feeling so obviously the neck is a really important thing um you really have to train the neck a lot but a lot of other things just like things you wouldn't expect like just having a good core um having strong legs to be able to press the brakes hard enough because that was one of the things that took a long time for me to get used to um having to brake very very hard um and there's just lots of other things like not having a power steering and and stuff like that which is a Different. It's, it's 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 very different in the way that it feels, um, and you feel tired, but in a different way from mm. kart, a day of karting.
0: And are the cars a lot more responsive then? Uh, in um, well, not really.
1: Well, compared to compared to go karts.
0: Yeah, I, I
1: would assume so. Um, not really, uh, because obviously everything's on a really big scale. So, like, if you if you turn a tiny bit in a go-kart, you know, that's enough to get you through a hairpin. But in a race car, you have to turn quite a lot because of how big everything is. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say it's responsive in that, but, like, in the aspect of, like, general grip, yeah, it, it, it's it got a lot of grip, especially in the high-speed stuff. Um, when you start going to, like, Formula 3 and things like that, yeah. um, you can have really strong, responsive cars because of how much downforce you have.
0: And so, obviously, did you finish fourth in your... in? Uh... In MSA Formula Championship, was yeah, it? In my yep. first year, yeah. So obviously, uh, brilliant achievement. Um, but did you feel a lot more <laughs> pressure uh, going into that season? Uh, now that you've got a sort of a team around you, um, well, maybe a bit more so than karting.
1: Um, in a sense, yes, because I mean, I'm always, you always feel a lot of pressure in racing, um, especially when you're having to put, you having to pay and put a lot of money towards racing a season um obviously results are the biggest uh like you know aspect of your success um so of course there was always a little bit of pressure um but you sort of learn how to manage that pressure from from racing carts and stuff like that anyway um Mm. so it wasn't too much of an issue for me but uh there's definitely some uh for sure And there still is today. Um, It's just about learning how to manage it and how to use it to your advantage, really.
0: So in 2017, you then became the British F3 vice champion and the rookie champion. And you visited the podium, I think it was at least every single round that you were racing in. Yeah. (laughs) What What did you do? Like, how is there a was there a reason why you were so successful in formula 4 when sorry formula 3 when you stepped up
1: um for me I, I, I suited that car a lot more than the f4 um they were both really really different cars and you you required different really really different driving styles to be able to be fast in them um but also those first two years i had in uh, in in f4 were sort of like Learning years for me, learning and cards, um, yeah. yeah. So when I moved up to F3, I, I already had two years of, of car racing under my belt, and that's when that was the year where I started to become more of a professional. Where I felt like I was becoming more of a <laughs> professional driver um, on and off track. So it was a it was a multitude of different things of me stepping up as uh, trying
0: to become a more professional and all rounder driver. So you um, you mentioned on and off the track, how much of a commitment is it? Uh, obviously, we only see you racing around on tracks now in GT cars, but how much of a commitment is it for you off track training, uh, press, all that, that we don't necessarily see?
1: Um, there's a lot. There's a lot, um, especially that year. Um, so we, I was training every single day, um, doing gym, cardio, some sorts of physical training every single day uh as well as sim um work before race weekends and also as sort of like a a way of keeping the rust off um and then yeah so we we had to do press training media training things like that um which weren't too bad you know you only have to do a couple couple of those to really get the understanding and the gist Mm. of um how to talk to press and stuff like that but it's more it's more so to do with um like preparing for races and like making sure that you're fit and making sure that you're still um, tip top of your game. um, So that obviously when you go to tracks, you don't have a lot of time to to drive and you don't have a lot of time to um, build up the pace and confidence. So you have to make sure that you're prepared enough that every time you go to a race weekend, that you can just get there and get nailed and um, not have to spend time just trying to build up your own confidence and, uh, by doing that, you have more time to develop the car and uh, develop your driving in any other way that you you sort of learn on, on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people don't see. Right? I, I feel like some people probably see just how much we have to do for fitness and stuff like that, but there's a lot of other preparation mm. stuff, for the team we have to do.
0: So in 2018, you made the switch to uh, GT. Car racing, it's always an interesting question for me. What made you switch from the single seater racing to the actual or the GT cars?
1: Um, Well, there's there's a a lot of factors. Um, The main main factor being money. Um, Like most other racing drivers nowadays, that's the biggest thing stopping um, talented drivers become professional. Um, So we just, we just couldn't afford to go further up in the in the single seater ladder because it just exponentially grows the price yeah. um, for each season and um you know even even if i was to go into another season and po- potentially win it um we didn't see any possible way of being able to afford or um manage to find a seat for the for the year after that and um I mean, obviously, F1 is the goal. F1's the dream goal for me, um, yeah. and it always will be. But we had to be realistic in a sense of we probably can't afford to get there. Um, and I would honestly be more than happy to just drive something and or race something, and be able to have a career and to get paid. And that's more than I could ask for. You know, I get to drive yeah. cars and do what I love every single day, and uh, have a job from it um and gt cars has an amazing opportunity or many many amazing opportunities for young drivers and uh it's obviously a lot cheaper but there's also a lot more um roads to go down for career career um paths i
0: always enjoy watching the gt um cars because i always feel like uh Maybe with Formula 1, there's obviously a lot that can go wrong, but I feel like with some of the GT racing, especially the 24-hour stuff, there's actually a lot yeah. more that can go wrong, which it makes it a lot more exciting yeah. from yeah, a watching yeah. point of view. Like,
1: as much as I love single-seaters, um, I'm so happy I moved to GT cars because, for me, the racing is much more exciting. It's more pure. It feels like a more pure version of racing to me. Um, and, yeah, the the endurance races are just so, so, so good to be a part of. Um, and I have to say, I prefer it over the single seater racing for sure.
0: And obviously you get to race like super cool, like Lamborghinis or those yeah. kind of cars. Yeah, exactly.
1: It, it's it's much cooler trying to explain to someone, hey, I drive Lamborghinis rather than, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm driving British Formula Three because they don't really
0: understand. So uh, that's definitely a, a positive for sure. <laughs> so then last year, obviously, you mentioned probably, uh, I assume, one of the highlights of your career, uh, winning the spa 24 hours on debut at the spa 24 hour race yeah what are 24 hour races like as a driver like how do you routine yourself eating sleeping staying awake all that kind of thing
1: um good question i could go on for hours about (laughs) about how much we have to do um a lot of people don't really understand how hectic and how demanding and draining a 24 hour race is um so I, it's, it's, it's hard, it was hard to try and train for it before the, before the race because we didn't really have uh, a plan of like a stint schedule. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to be driving at night or whatever. So I couldn't really... W- what I normally do is I like to sort my sleep schedule out before the, the race weekend so that I'm in a nice rhythm um, and ready to go when uh, I get to the race weekend. But I couldn't do that for this race. Um, so that made it quite tough. Uh, also, just getting out of the car after a three hour stint is is so draining and having to like go to sleep at you know eight or seven p m which is really really strange yes. um for a lot of us is 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 tough and um eating in at weird times when you 're not used to when you, where you 're not supposed to eat it, be eating um going waking up at four a m or five a m to get into a car and drive at two hundred and 80 kilometers or whatever it is it, it was very strange definitely very 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 physical um there's nothing really like it I, it's, it's extremely hard for me to get into words how hard and how difficult but also how rewarding it was um it's just it's absolutely mental um i think that's the best the best way i can describe it um and if you want to be a part of it, you just got to go there and and see what it's like to really know and understand what I'm talking about.
0: And do you have to then uh, diet yourself so that you're intaking like a lot of protein, for example, whatever, or carbs to keep yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I had to be eating enough protein that I'd be able to repair my um, sore muscles after a stint, but also enough carbs to be able to to have the energy to go for three hours in the car without getting tired because Um, it's very easy to to make stupid mistakes or um, potentially crash or make mistakes for the team and um, let your team down if you're tired or if you can't handle driving for three hours or not being able to focus enough for three hours. So um, it was really hard to balance the perform like having to perform as well as having to rest and how important resting was um, in order to be more on the on your game when you wake up for the next 10.
0: So, um, this year, well, you were I'm not sure if you were meant to be competing in the GT World Challenge uh, Europe Endurance yeah. Cup um, yeah. contesting in the silver category. So, yeah. obviously we talked about uh, your goal being F1 um, well, it would be your dream, but um, yeah what what are your uh, goals for maybe the upcoming couple of years what sort of races would you like to ideally enter and win
1: um obviously all of the gt the gt world challenge stuff sprint and endurance um those are my main like uh, my, my my main championships that i'm focusing on um so first of all i'd like to be able to get good results in that for the team as well um and then I don't know. I mean, there's there's many many kinds of races that I'd like to take part in, like at like Nurburgring, twenty four hours, or, or Daytona, or Sebring, or Suzuka, Bathurst, things like that, which would be really cool as well. Um, but those are sort of one off, like Joker races that <laughs> we don't know if we'd be able to do or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the, first off, I'd like to be able to get a good, some good results for the team and show that I'm. Um, worthy of a, of a pro seat with the, our motorsport guys and then um, maybe
0: a couple races in America or Japan, things like that as well
1: um, but yeah, not sure
0: about that. So I'm sure you get asked this question quite a lot but I thought I'd just uh, fit it in there. Do you have a favourite track uh, that you like to go racing on?
1: It's That's a really hard question for me because I, I like a lot of, of tracks um, there's not too many tracks that I don't like actually um, but if I had to choose, if I'd have to, I probably couldn't choose one. I'd have to say probably either Spa or Suzuka. Um, any reasons, really, really
0: cool. Sorry. Any reasons for Spa or Suzuka? Um,
1: well for, for Spa, I think it's just a, a really good track. It it suits my driving style. I love the flowing nature. I love the, um, undulation. I love the legendary, Um, history of the track Um, and it's kind of same goes for Suzuka Um, those tracks have been driven on by the greatest drivers in the world and uh, it's just something about that energy of when you drive on the tracks like that it just it makes you feel a certain way and um, I love it so much
0: so obviously we I mentioned uh, previously about uh, the pit stops. Obviously, they're highly impressive feats in all pretty much all forms of motorsports. sports. But when you're actually switching drivers for like endurance events, yeah, how often are you practicing practicing that? Because I'm guessing that more often than not, races are not one and one in the pits.
1: Yeah. Um, so on the race weekends, we actually practice them every day. Um, we'll do maybe ten or so rounds each of a uh, driver changes with the other drivers. Um, and we might do some every once in a while during a test, uh, a test day. But, uh, yeah, during the race weekends, we're practicing basically every day, every session, and then, uh, two or three times as well out like in between sessions as well. Um, because things can go very wrong <laughs> in a driver change. And, uh, especially when you start doing pro pro GT three, um, the driver change can save 2 or 3 seconds in the pit lane which might not seem like a lot in the pit lane but then if you go out on track and you've gained 2 or 3 seconds or you've lost 2 or 3 seconds it's it's a big difference especially when everyone is so close um and basically like in a train in in, in sprint uh, GT3 so it makes a it makes a huge difference and obviously uh it's important to to be safe so having like 100% confidence that you're completely buckled in and ready to go, um, instead of having to like change, you know, move the pedals or the steering wheel, mm. or making having to like take your hands off the steering wheel to put the belts in while you're driving. Um, it's really important to not have that. So yeah, we, we practiced it a lot.
0: So um, if people aren't already, uh, why do you recommend that they should watch you racing um, in your or oh, what a, a GT GT stuff at the moment? Um, well
1: g t three is it's a completely different uh, ballpark than f1 which is what I assume people most people watch um, there's still a lot of uh, manufacturer battles which a lot of people like in f1 um, between all the different g t3 manufacturers um, the driving standards are extremely extremely high and of course there is like sixty of those drivers <laughs> that are that good whereas in F1 it's much much less. Um so you get a really broad uh like view of just extremely talented drivers. Um there's also a lot more interesting things going on in the races, so there's obviously pit stops, there's driver changes, um strategies very very important in these really long races. Um and the biggest thing for me is that anything can happen really because there's a lot more variables in a in endurance racing compared to F1. Um, so it's not really like a, a massive train and, you know, qualifying, wherever you qualify is where you finish kind of, mm. um, like in most single seater racing. Uh, so it's just, to me, it's just, it's much more interesting. There's a lot more things that can go on, um, a lot more things that can go wrong. Um, and it's just a lot more exciting as well. Um, seeing these really just beasty cars on track and, uh, going really fast, and it 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 just it it really such a cool um, environment the endurance environment um, so I definitely recommend anyone that's into motorsport or anything um, related to cars <laughs> or anything like that they should definitely try and watch some GT three racing.
0: So um do you, do you have a favorite car that you have raced in in GT three or or even single single seater racing? Um,
1: I think. If I had a choice of, of any car that I've driven, I'd probably say the, the old Delara F3. Um, that was a an amazing car to drive. I drove that at Suzuka and at Silverstone. Hmm. Um, and I just... The amount of uh, downforce that car has, it just feels like you're on a rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose that, but then there's also a lot of positives about the gt3 cars which um i love like just how they look how they sound how they feel as well you don't feel as fast but the feeling of getting a lap right in one of those cars is uh just as satisfying as driving the f3 car
0: so for anyone who's he's listening to what we're talking about and they're thinking oh you know this gt3 sounds you know pretty interesting um, what sort of what would you say is a typical format of a of a race weekend for anyone who who is interested but doesn't really know much about uh, GT three?
1: So uh, for an endurance race in, in a GT three, we would start off with normal free practices. Um, each driver there's so there's three drivers in uh, endurance, and each driver gets a fairish share of, of the free practice. And then in qualifying, how it works um, is usually there'll be three qualifyings and each driver gets to drive in in one qualifying um they each get new tires and it's a average of all three of their laps together that puts them on the grid for the race um there's some races like spa where the top 10 go and do um a like shootout like a key uh, three yeah exactly they do they do a one-lap shootout um which i think is really cool they call it super pole um that's like where the drivers really are on the limit of their cars and making everything count, getting every single like thousand, um, squeezed out of that car, which is really cool. Um, and then, yeah, so then you go to, uh, the race, which is usually a three hour race. Um, depending whether you're doing spa, you might be doing a 24 hour race, or you could be doing a six hour race in, uh, in poor Ricard. Um, but usually it's a three hour race and each driver does one hour. Um, then they come into the pits, they change tires, they put fuel in the car, and then they and they change drivers. Um, and obviously for Spa and, and the, the longer races, you might end up doing three hours in the car and then changing driver or doing two hours in the car and then changing driver. Um, but that's about it. And then you go to the checkered flag.
0: Also, uh, I'm sure if, you're, if you want to know what it's like at a GT race, I think there is a video on your YouTube channel, a vlog on your channel <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go and watch that will we be seeing any more vlogs though is the real question
1: yeah i mean for sure i i need to learn how to edit and make things look a bit better because that vlog was so badly made but uh yeah i actually really enjoyed it I, i like showing people the the behind the scenes of of racing and if i can do that in a better way then i'll definitely try again
0: so, have you? How closely have you been following? Obviously, we've seen the Formula One sort of season start. How close have you been? Have you been watching it following? Yeah, of the course. Meet? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought, do you mind talking about a bit of that? episode of your opinions yeah, for a little of course, one. Of course. So, obviously, we saw, or uh, well we heard about Fernando Alonso coming back. Yeah. Do you think that's? Do you think that's a good move for Renault? Uh, do you think that uh, maybe having someone who's quite notoriously toxic as Alonso? Uh, with maybe not the best car, uh, is, do you think that's a good move for them?
1: I think it was really their only move, to be honest. Um, you know, I I'm definitely one for having a younger driver come in, um, and I'm definitely a supporter of having younger drivers come in. But uh, unfortunately, they they can't really sign any of their drivers um, if they don't have a guaranteed super license. Um, it just doesn't really make sense on a business yeah. um, as for their for their team, um, I think. Uh, I think they don't really care about the the environment, you know, like what you say, the toxic environment or whatever. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Fernando going to bring massive followings to uh, to Renault and back to F1 for sure. Um, and all in all, I think I think Fernando is an extremely good driver, um, whether or not he's in a good car. Um, I'm I'm sure it's probably better than the McLaren that he was driving previously Um, but I think it would be good for the sport to see him come back and hopefully I do I do think he's a very very good driver so it'd be good to see him uh, back where he belongs I think.
0: And what do you make of the possibility of Sebastian Vettel uh, maybe going back to Red Bull to replace Alex Albon do you think that'll be a Fair decision. Obviously, we've seen Red Bull pretty be notoriously ruthless with their driver changes. But yeah. do you think even they would go that far uh, to just get rid of Albon, even after he's done nothing really that badly? Um, to be honest, to be honest, I doubt
1: it will happen. In in my opinion, um, I think as much as much a flack as as Seb gets, I think he is a good driver. I think he's very very good. Um, but I don't think Red Bull will. Give up on Albon this easily because I think he's performed very well. Um, obviously, he's had some mistakes which have been, uh, I feel, normal um, for someone just coming into F one. But uh, I think I think Red Bull see the talent in in Alex, and well, I, I at least hope that they keep him. Um, if you were to ask me what said what would happen to Seb though, I'd probably say he would most likely retire this year or take uh, a year out um i just don't really see i don't really see a a valid or uh, i just don't i just don't really see a minute in any other seat to be honest um it just doesn't make sense to me
0: and do you see do you see obviously Hass. we've seen them we we saw them doing obviously pretty well for a couple of years and they've had two pretty poor years do you think that? it's time for a change at has driver wise um i i think it would
1: help for sure um i definitely don't think having kevin and roman in the same team is a good idea because they obviously despise each other <laughs> um i do think there are other drivers that uh obviously it's, it's hard to say because there's a lot of drivers that i think they deserve the seat, but they haven't had the chance to drive in F1, so they don't have the experience. Um, but I wouldn't—I don't personally rate their lineup very highly in, in <laughs> terms of talent. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of other younger drivers that could definitely prove themselves in seats like that. So uh, I'm definitely going to support that.
0: Or well, they could uh, bring back the, obviously, the best driver of all time, Pastor Maldonado, <laughs> that'll be the most anticipated driver move that we'll ever see but you talked about younger drivers do you uh, have any um, drivers coming through the single-seaters at the moment that you think are ones to watch for the future?
1: Um,
0: I, feel like I feel like
1: most of the, the the people in F3 and F2 are, are extremely good drivers um, I think Obviously, Joe is a really highly contested driver right now. I think he's extremely talented. I've always thought he was a good driver ever since I've known him since karting. Um, I think Nick De Vries is still... Um, I still think he's a very good driver. And I think he has uh, some opportunities, or I'd hope for him to have some opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then all, there's people like uh, Luca Giotto, who, who also is part of our motorsport, um, who I think is extremely talented. Kalamai, um, Lot, uh, Drogovic like you were saying earlier, have been very, very good. Um, Anyone in Formula Three? Um, yeah, uh, like MacPusals, extremely good, I'd say. Uh, same with Langard. Um And it, it, it's kind of hard to say in F three because I feel performing in F three is a bit, or in at least in the new F three, it it. It's a bit of a red herring because people can go to F2 and do better or
0: much, much better or much, much worse, I think. Mm. Um, Is it just a step up? It's it's quite a lot between.
1: Yeah, it it changes a lot from anything to F2, really. Um, From what I've spoken to people about, I haven't tested their car, but I've heard a lot of people saying that it's a really massive step. um, Obviously, towards the direction of F1, so it's good. um, (laughs) But it's a really big step for
0: people to get used to. Um but and a lot more focus on all the drivers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like um you see a lot of people like Jahan and um Marcus Armstrong and Schwartzman um who absolutely killed it last year in F three and then they've gone to F two and it's um been a, a big step for them. Mm. Um, and I still think they're performing well and I still think that those three guys that I just mentioned, they also are um I think very good options for the seats, one. Um, but it just, it shows you how tough F2 is and how much of a jump it is for everyone.
0: So obviously we've, uh, you've missed out on the opportunity of racing because of uh, COVID-19 and lockdown complications and all of that uh, kind of thing. How have you been uh, keeping yourself busy? Uh, I've seen racing. Um, I'm assuming is, is what yeah. you've been doing, but um, how... I asked this on a on a on I think it was the first episode with an e racer on how realistic he reckons it is to actually racing, but obviously he doesn't have the experience of driving in an actual car, so I suppose you'd be the bad person to ask. How <laughs> realistic do you think it is uh Sims like i racing are compared to actually driving in a car? Um,
1: well, if you asked me this question a couple of months ago, I would have said that it's not that similar. Um but to be fair, a lot of, especially iRacing, racing, um, a lot of sims have been getting a lot better recently. Um, there's obviously a lot of aspects that you can't replicate in a sim, like forces and braking and um, feeling the car and whatever. Um, but uh, to be honest, it is pretty accurate. Um, most of the most of the sims that I've tried have been accurate. Um, I don't want to name any names that I don't of Sims that I don't like, um, just in case I get in trouble with, with them. But uh, uh, especially iRacing, I've been really, really enjoying. Um, but I use it more of a, more as like a practice for racing, um, and I use it more to develop my racecraft and my um, just to sort of like keep the rust off. Really, um, obviously, you have to drive the cars the same ish way that you drive in real life um but there are some aspects especially in iRacing like you've heard. i'm sure you've heard about the tire model complaints and things like that in iRacing <laughs> yeah, yeah. um that have not been ideal and that's it's it's extremely unrealistic um
0: do you think but, though uh, that uh iRacing obviously everyone knows that it's pretty high cost to uphold do you think that yeah uh, there they, they should be Maybe a cheaper alternative for people who can't afford um maybe such expensive stuff as i racing
1: like sim racing as a general is is so expensive anyways yeah. um to like be able to have a proper rig and things like that is really expensive, so it just makes it like double expensive <laughs> for people um if they're trying to buy all the cars on i racing and things like that um, it definitely becomes a money pit after a while for sure um, and if there was an op- an opportunity for a cheaper uh, alternative then i'm sure a lot of people will take it but um unfortunately for the people that can't afford it iRacing is probably the best still out there yeah. um for like it's in terms of like being able to just the ease of just going racing and um being able to show like how good of a
0: driver you are uh, i've been it's not much of a sim but i've been playing i'm not sure if you've heard of a game called most motorsport manager
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs>
0: I've been. I've tried to sign you, but uh, you don't want to sign for me. Which is how I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it.
1: Uh, am I? Am I in that game?
0: You. You're in. I'm pretty sure you're in the GT category. Oh, nice. And the DLC. That. That's cool. But uh, you're not interested in signing a contract for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I. I. I uh, apologize. I <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> let's get into a little quiz that I always have uh, at the end of each episode for each guest. Sure. The highest. I, I. feel like I need to make these quizzes a bit harder because we've had, a, 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 the lowest score is eight and the best score is nine. So, I suppose it's a sm- bit. Of, I have. To, I have to absolutely smash it. Then yeah, go smash it out of the park. So. Oh, gosh, I've tried. Yeah. I've got some. I've put some questions in about you as well. So. Uh, ho- okay. Hopefully, you should be I'll, able to I'll, I'll get. those wrong. <laughs> so let's go. Sort with question one. So according to Wikipedia. How many fastest laps did you achieve with JTR oh in 2015? My God. Uh, um, uh. <laughs> Zero? No, it was two. Two? You got That's not two. Bad. That's not bad at that at all. I need, need more confidence in myself. <laughs> oh, <no>. What was, <laughs> maybe not the best start, maybe not the best start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, what was the first car sort of constructor uh, to win Le Mans back in nineteen
1: twenty-three? Uh, I should know this one considering I'm an endurance driver. Um, I want to say
0: Ferrari. It was not Ferrari. I feel Ugh. I've made these ones too. I think I'm. These ones are harder than. Then uh, the other two, so for uh, anyone uh, listening, wondering why uh, James is doing so awfully, then it's just uh, pretty much my fault. I, I, I don't know
1: anything about it. It
0: was uh, mine, but... <laughs> Chénard and uh, Walker, I've completely butchered the pronunciation, but uh, in okay. a three litre car. Uh, okay. So I reckon you'll get this one. I've done enough, right, I've right. done, I don't know why I've got three Le Mans questions, but... Uh, Right. Who's the most successful participant of all time at Le Mans with 9 wins?
1: It has to be Tommy, right? Tommy Christensen. Yeah,
0: that is correct. That is why nice. we're rolling down the straight. Yes. <laughs> this all right now. This is a really mean question from me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to make this one a multiple choice. Right. Um, okay. All right. To the nearest hundred, how many kilometers did the winners, <laughs> did the winners of Le Mans cover in 2019? Was it five thousand, five thousand uh-huh.
1: two hundred, or five thousand three hundred? Um. Let's see. So the track. I'm doing some mental maths. Cause I, I, I did I did I racing Le Mans. Um, like a couple weeks ago so i'm trying to think about how many laps i did and how many, how many kilometers that would be i want to say 5200 that
0: is correct smash nice. it there we Easy. go we are on two we we we're, we're rolling we're smashing we're rolling. it here right this is i'm not sure if this is still correct but uh, on wikipedia okay. if you if you don't get this one i think this is pretty embarrassing um <laughs> what is your car number Fifteen,
1: usually. Well, my 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 usual number's fifteen, but my current car number for or the, the car number I was supposed to have in twenty twenty was seven six two.
0: Yeah, I had seven six two and fifteen, so you got yeah. you got both of them. You Boom. remembered your own Boom. car number. Well done. Nice, nice. So um, we could possibly see this circuit being featured on the F one calendar this year. So uh, mm-hmm. how many turns are at Imola?
1: Is there is there a time limit? Can I count?
0: You c as long as you're not googling, there is no time limit.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten,
0: eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Is that your final answer? <laughs> nah, um uh I'll give you a clue. That's not right. <laughs> 19. I'm not sure. You're probably right, but uh, according to Wikipedia, it's 21, but I'm not sure how trusty. 21. I'm not sure how trusty because It's
1: because it's the straight, the straight's like five corners, isn't it? Mm. So it's kind of hard to tell, you know? It's, it's kind of debatable. <laughs> I, that's, well, that's one thing I've was always i always been so bad with is remembering corner numbers. I, I'm used to remembering corner names from, for some reason. We'll give like, you I, a point. I guess point. it's the British racing
0: thing. We'll give you a half point. Okay, cool. I appreciate it. So, <laughs> no problem. Um, this is, uh, I doubt you'll know this, but uh, what is the average pit time? So this, huh. this one is just minutes, so no seconds involved. What is the average, yep. what is the average pit time uh, for the 24 hours of spa, according to their website? Ooh,
1: um, Ooh, okay. It's a very long pit lane, isn't it? Is it including the pit lane? i have no clue um i'm guessing so i will say two minutes and
0: 34 seconds we'll we'll take the three minutes we'll take the three minutes rounded up that is correct Uh,
1: three minutes really
0: yeah apparently apparently yeah because
1: it's it's i think it's because um I don't know if you know, but they use both of the the pit lanes for Spa twenty four, so it ends up being like a ridiculously long. Yeah, so so many cars, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, so okay. this one, this is quite a recent one for you. Uh, in twenty eighteen, how many wins did you achieve in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo uh, Middle East?
1: Middle East. Um. I won. I did two weekends and there was four four races in total.
0: Yep. I th-
1: I think I won all four. You won
0: all four, 100% yeah. record. Born nice. GP-esque. <laughs> Boom. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Weird flex. <laughs> this is, uh, so obviously we've seen Fernando Alonso coming back in uh, to Formula yeah. One. So I thought I'd include another, a nice little multiple choice one here. Okay. Cool. How many wins does Fernando Alonso have in F1 to date? 34, 31 or 32? I th- I think
1: it's going to be bad because I I remember seeing this on my Instagram this morning. <laughs> um
0: I think it's 32. That is correct. Boom. Yes. Uh <laughs> finally, can we make it 7.5? Okay, I I need to get some 7.5. I can't. Okay. What is the 0 to 60 miles an hour speed, on average, of a Lamborghini mm-hmm. Huracan? Um, Only to one decimal point. Three. Lower, lower. 2.8. eight. Two po- no, it's lower than that. It's lower, it's lower. Go on. I'll lower. Give, I, I didn't hear two anything. Point, 2.6. Point I think I can give 2.6. 2.6 what is it it's 2.5 but i think it's virtually the same thing jeez oh, we'll i didn't it. know that actually that's that's really quick <laughs> that's <quite> surprising <laughs> that's surprisingly quick so and that pretty much brings a uh, conclusion to all i've got to waffle on about today cool uh thanks everyone for uh listening um yeah. james if you want to check out james you can uh, follow him on twitch i believe he's streaming yeah. Is it James underscore pull on there? That's the one, yeah. Uh, Hang on. Twitter is at JamesPull Racing. Um what's your Instagram?
1: <laughs> James underscore pull as well on Instagram.
0: Um and I'm sure if you have any more questions about James, he'll be happy to answer them if you just uh, sl- sure. slide into those uh, DMs. Um <laughs> and uh or you can look up look him up on the internet. Um also make sure to uh you know, cheer James on when he's next uh racing, make sure he's winning. We wanna get yeah, that four nice. and four racing. We wanna keep it going. Oh, yes. Um but it's it's been a pleasure having you on, uh James. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anyone, uh if you're on Apple, please do uh subscribe and if you're feeling extra kind, drop that five star rating on Spotify, please drop that follow. YouTube, drop the sub, drop the like, drop a little comment in there. Um Nice. sub to james's uh youtube as well see some more vlogs what's your youtube <laughs>
1: uh i think it's just james pull i think i i'm i'm
0: not that active <laughs> but uh hopefully we'll get to see some more uh, uh vlogs yeah for
1: sure for sure but
0: uh that that is it for uh thank you very much everyone and bye bye